All right, Jalen, here we go. Season three. Basically, oh. I don't know if it's exactly to the date, but essentially the three-year anniversary. Well, I guess it'd really be the two-year anniversary. I don't I'm not a math guy. But third official season, because, yeah, the, each season would be one full year, so technically it's been two years. But still, for season three, third annual coaching hire special. First, though, we will we'll get to recap the – Super Bowl, which was actually a really good game, but it was, you know, a disappointing result for uh, what all of America. us reported last week were discussing and hoping for. Uh, how are you doing tonight, sir? Season three, what a ride. Season three, man, what a ride it's been. Last week we had it. It was like a party for season two finale. It was really a, it was really a good little send-off for season two last week. And here we are, season three. We got the classic back on here, the coaching carousel. I mean, the Wolves get to come on and play probably in the middle of this game, in the middle of this recording, hopefully. so. last game before the All-Star break. The last game before the All-Star break. Just the way I want to hear it. You know me. I love the All-Star break. So it's it's a good time here, man. Um, I'm just excited. I mean, we got the Super Bowl recap. Like you said, yes, the result was slightly disappointing. But there's some fun takeaways that you can get from this game, especially from – from the losing side of things, especially in my eyes, apparent in my eyes at least. Uh, and yeah, it's gonna be a fun one. We got the coaching carousel. I got this list, dude, and I was going through it. I was like, man, it actually got longer as the postseason kept going. So yeah. <laughs> it, it doesn't. I feel like it won't disappoint. I'm really, I'm really hyped for this. This is gonna be good. Yeah. So yeah, we'll we'll get to our our third annual coaching hire special first. Obviously, we'll recap the Chiefs win the Super Bowl back to back. First team to go back-to-back since the Patriots 20 years ago. Almost, I think, exactly 20 years ago, actually, if I'm not mistaken. Um, at least 20 years ago. Um, so they went in overtime against the Niners. It was a, it became a very good game down the stretch late. It was very boring in the first half. The first half was rough. Uh, I knew you'd say that. I thought it was a good first half. <laughs> three at the half, but uh, – course you know i don't think the whole time the niners looked like they could have won it they could have won it but i mean the whole time i was never really thought the chiefs weren't going to win the niners just they made even when it looked like they could have won they made mistakes they had the errors they couldn't put them away missed extra point ends up killing them so it goes to overtime and that of course bit them you give Mahomes chances and he gets you and he was mr clutched his way down the field chiefs officially a dynasty pretty much inarguable now the new patriots in the no fun league, just another dominant thing. And I think I've said this before, maybe a few weeks ago, as we've, the Chiefs have been going through this postseason. But NBA now, the parody league, who would have thought? That was always the biggest thing. One of the things I loved more about the NFL over the NBA was that it feels like actually more teams have a chance in the NFL. And it's a kind of honestly flipped. The Chiefs dynasty and the NBA feels not really I wouldn't say wide open but at least the last couple of years feels more open than it's been most of our lives so interesting I'm right there with you that's a great take uh to recap the Super Bowl there at the end there um just to tail off of that uh the NBA I mean if you think about it just the we've said it it's the wild wild west I mean just think about anyone can come out of the western conference and then just thinking about the fact that yeah there's the Celtics but you look on that playoff sheet, it's like, man, if one of those like Bucks right now, yeah, they're struggling with the Grizzlies, but 
shoot, if they get hot, if the heat, the zombie heat that we always mention on here, come and give them problems. Still alive. I saw, I, sorry, I'll let you keep going, but I did see the heat have the exact same record. I'm pretty sure at the all-star break that they did last year. So <laughs> all going a part of plan, all going a part of plan. Um, so yeah, I it, I do agree. The NBA is now the fun league. I also you got to contribute that to the you know the Warriors dynasty finally calming down a little bit. LeBron starting to age age factor, or at least the Lakers incompetence to give them weapons or whatever you want to say. You know those two factors finally calming down, and the Suns thing is it's a fun experiment. I can't wait till we talk about the NBA. But back to the Super Bowl here. Um. Love the first half, personally, Colby. Come on. You know, I, I thought that was an interesting first half. The ball was on the ground like three times, I think. It was on the ground a lot, this game, and everything. So that was interesting, especially in the first half when both Pacheco and McCaffrey, I think, fumbled the ball. Yeah. That that was when you were looking like, okay, this is not, not how... Clean game. <laughs> yeah, this is not how people drew it up. Both teams drew it up. But uh, I will say this. The 49ers at the end of that half had to be happy with their defense and how they were performing with Dre Greenlaw going down and they still held Mahomes to what was it? 13. Was it 13 to 10? Or wait, no, they had a 10 point lease. So yeah, it was 13 10 to 3. three half time. 10 3. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's uh, you know, they did their job as a defense, if you ask me, especially with the fact that their guy literally hopping onto the field got injured. Um it's tough cookies there and then the next day they they fire steve wilkes the next day which is very interesting can't wait to, to get into that here in a second because spagnolo is the one that ends up staying because he was praised pretty much during this game about how it's a dc yeah i don't know if you recognized it but their fourth quarter play calling by spagnolo was on fire i mean he they can they did what they can they held the cheat and the they held the 49ers to three points in overtime I mean, this game, it for the fact that it went to overtime, and then the main drama of this whole thing now is who should have gotten the ball first. And it, it's there's a lot of drama here, Colby. I, I, what takeaway do you have for the first one? Because for me, my first takeaway was personally the 49ers era is probably over, especially hype wise. Oh, wow, interesting. I mean, this was definitely their best shot, I would say, because it's not. It's gonna be tough to continually have that uh, level of a team, especially when it eventually comes time to for Brock Purdy to pay, make more than like less than a million a year, uh, whatever he's making now. Um, I mean, I thought Purdy was good. He wasn't. You know, the Niners. My biggest take was they had a couple chances where they could have iced the game, and they just couldn't convert. Like you said, those timely blitzes by the Chiefs picked it up. They just let them hang around. The Niners, ultimately, they could have won the game, but they shot themselves in the foot too many times. And when you're playing Mahomes, you can't do that. I mean, Mahomes is just ridiculous. That's probably my biggest takeaway is just even with a below-average receiving core, him and Kelsey still dominated, came through in the big moments at the end. But, yeah, the Niners, the muffed punt, the missed extra point, and the just couple first downs, especially the third and four at the end uh, that they couldn't pick up with the blitz, that, that's ultimately what killed them. Purdy, you know, he missed a few throws. It wasn't spectacular, but I had no, by no means thought he was the reason they lost. They thought he played pretty well. Um, yeah, the Steve Wilkes thing is crazy to me. I thought that was weird scapegoating. Like, they lost in overtime. They had one excellent half against Mahomes. They kind of fell apart down the stretch, but 
still thought Steve Wilkes did a really good job this year. And he just kind of gets raw deals, man. He's gotten a lot of raw deals over the years. I mean, you mentioned how Mahomes performed and how well he played, Colby. I mean, there's only one thing I have to say about that. Where is the AFC, man, to step up and stop this stuff? I mean, you talk about how all the good quarterbacks are in the AFC right now. They are. I think you guys need more. It looks like you guys need more good QBs Maybe. in the AFC. The stop can stop so, I mean, there's no point in putting a good QB in the NFC if all of them are staying in the AFC, if none of them in the AFC can get the job done. So, Colby, do you think an AFC QB needs to step up? And who do you think that's going to be? Do you actually think it's going to be Joe Burrow and the Bengals? Stop the three feet. I mean, you make a good point. Like, I mean, the AFC has better quarterbacks than maybe, but no one can stop Mahomes. Neither conference, no one. I mean, look, Joe Burrow, as much as Christian calls him a cornball, he's literally, literally the only, one. The only quarterback in the, in the league who's ever beat Mahomes in the playoffs because the only other playoff losses he has are both to Brady, who's now gone. So he, he's literally, Burrow's the, literally the only one who can say he's ever done it. So I guess it would be him. The other one I would think maybe C.J. Stroud, if he uh, year two gets some more pieces around him, that team. I mean, they should be better. This Colby, C.J. Stroud's the fun young quarterback going up against now a team with a quarterback that might get the NFL voodoo magic for him. Yeah, you not, said it. This is the no fun league. Right? You know, you know what's going to come. It's going to be AFC Championship time. It's going to be like fourth quarter. C.J. Stroud's going to make a heartbreak of a play, or it's going to be an amazing play by C.J. Stroud, and it's going to be some BS holding call that's going to deflate the entire drive, and then we're going to come back on here saying, oh, here goes the Chiefs again to another Super Bowl. Can an NFC team slotted here, insert name here, can can beat them? So it's a it's it's very concerning when you think about it. Yeah, the three-peat could be possible. Do you think it would happen? Probably not. I'm going to lean on the fact that it's going to be hard maybe to repeat this right now. It doesn't seem right now. It doesn't seem likely, but it's every season. You never know every season. You never know. So, and I, I I'm going to believe on that every year that this is going to be a different year. So yeah. And then there's the, of course, overtime in the ball first, who gets the ball first and all that and everything. Was it a bad idea for Shanahan to get the ball first? I say, I mean, yeah. I am more, of a defensive-minded guy, I would have probably said yes to give the ball to Mahomes first because if you, both teams get the ball anyways, yeah. you could see what happens. But with the situation that he had with Brock Purdy and the fact that they got all the way to what? Within the five, within five yards of scoring an actual touchdown, yeah. I, I would have probably kept the ball, especially with Brock Purdy and how young he is. I, especially what if Mahomes would have scored a touchdown first? Brock Purdy would have been the one to have to respond. You know how much more brutal that media coverage would have been if Brock Purdy did not surmount to that. You know you have to get a touchdown, so then you're four downs every time, basically, would be is kind of the advantage there. So I mean that's why you would kick. I mean, he should they should have kicked it, I think, but I don't think that's why they lost. I mean, I still think they would have lost no matter what they did. Um you think so, yeah. But but I mean I would have kicked it, but just because with the new rules, it's kind of like the college rules. So it's similar. It's not exactly like the college rules, but it's sort of similar to the college rules. And college rules, you want to play defense first, so you know what you need on offense. Um, so they should have kicked it, but I don't think it ultimately mattered in the end. Like I don't think they would have beaten the Chiefs at that point. Once it got to overtime, it just felt like they weren't going to get that win. Yeah. 
All right. And I guess when it comes down to the NFC, and if we are facing, you know, the big bad Mahomes and this dynasty and stuff, what do you need to do to stop this thing? You know, do you have to go? In the, if you're thinking NFC, what's the best way to challenge Mahomes? Is it going to be match him for offense? Like the Lions could probably do, maybe match him for offense or match him through defense. I mean, we saw the 49ers have this spectacular defense loaded up, held them to three points, but just couldn't do it for all four, five quarters, I guess you could say. So which one is it? You know, that's the question, Colby. If you're going to help, since all the quarterbacks can't figure it out in the AFC, give me an answer for the NFC. I mean, it's both. I mean, you need the defense, you need an offense, a good quarterback, you need some luck. You need the Chiefs to probably lose some defensive players and free agency because that's the other thing is the Chiefs have a really, really good defense now. Um, I mean, maybe it'll be Jordan Love. I don't know. He might be the best. No. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I think you're close. You were close, Colby. It has to, I, I agree that it, it will be a quarterback that is going to be goofy, I think, and in, in the way of Eli Manning was. You know, yeah. like I feel like it's going to be some goofball that I, I'll probably, if it's going to be a Jordan Love, I'm going to say it right now. If it's Jordan Love, if it's Jordan Love, Daniel Jones, next, the Giants just do it again. Oh my gosh, that'd be insane. Oh, I don't think so. I'm, I'm more, I'm more or less looking at, I don't know, her, 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 her cousins. Uh, you know, her cousins back on your team first before he starts. I mean, wherever he lands. I mean, right now they're saying the 49ers are favored to land him, which is crazy to think about. That's what I'm saying. Their <laughs> hype might be over if they actually do this. What if they actually go for Kirk Cousins, Colby? I did see that won't happen just because of the money. Um, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's crazy I, to think about. I did see a tweet after they lost after the game that said, uh, Kirk Cousins' phone number in Shanahan is staring at Kyle Shanahan like the Green Goblin mask or talking to him, trying to call Kirk Cousins. But, uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I doubt it. Kirk Cousins. Maybe it'll be the Lions. You know, it might – maybe it is the Lions just because – Jared Goff. And just Dan Campbell's fourth down recklessness, if it actually works out, maybe that's what you need. I don't know. I mean, it's a tall ask for anyone. No one's ever three-peated, but – I mean, I could see the Chiefs doing it. I hope not, but we'll see. If the Lions did it with Jared Goff, I feel like that storyline, which we were promoting on here earlier in the season, if we had a Lions, you know, a Goff versus Mahomes Super Bowl, I was just, let's just remember last time Goff versus Mahomes happened, you know, when he was in a Rams uniform or the fact that, you know, Goff beat Mahomes in the Chiefs last time. So it's a lot to consider in everything. Um Going forward, I did see this one little fun thing to do, and it was, who do you think is going to be the Chiefs' week one opponent? Um, I think it was the popular vote was between the Bengals and Texans, and I'm trying to pull it up right now here. Chiefs next season. But, yeah, Bengals and Texans are are right now the top two opponents. I could see probably one of those two would make sense. Like uh, Bengals, maybe would probably be the favorites. It's a rivalry there. That'd be a good one. Ravens are on this list. Oh. Um, AFC title. Chargers are on this list, of course, because they do play the Chargers. Chargers might be a sneaky one because of Harbaugh. They'll have all the hype, which we'll get to him in a minute. But I kind of like the Chargers as a dark horse. That'd be an interesting. Although, uh, what about the Steelers, Colby? I think they play them in Pittsburgh. They do play the Chiefs next year, but I think it's in Pittsburgh. Uh, oh, never mind. 
I automatic out. Chargers one back because now that I'm thinking about it, I feel like it's never. It's not usually a division opponent. It's usually someone. Yeah. Else. So probably like, the Bengals or Ravens. One of those two would be my guess. I really like the Texans in this spot. Test that theory of mine of uh, NFL voodoo magic happening for Mahomes. I really like the idea of Texans. Not, I mean, do the same thing that the Lions did. You know, the not the new fun team of the season of with high expectations. I mean, the Lions one was so random. I was, I mean, they won the game this year, but like, I did not. The Lions was crazy that they got picked for last year. So we'll see. I, don't I mean, they they ended their season on a very strong note. One of those two would be my guess. Oh. But that's all I got for this Super Bowl, man. I mean, what you I mean, besides that, besides maybe how you feel about Brock Purdy, and you know, you got Brandon Ayuk doing all his drama. I feel like we'll get into that later, well, depending on all that. But I feel like Brock Purdy did did a really good job in this game. I mean, not great, obviously, but not legendary because he didn't win it and beat Mahomes. But was he good enough to, you know, obviously keep his job? I think so. Yeah, I think you do too, right? I, Michael, absolutely, I would agree with that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Then looking back at our predictions here, you said 2016 Chiefs. I said 26 20 49ers. That's pretty close. Oh well, you oh. winning. But your score was yeah. pretty close. It's just the wrong result. Not bad. So close, man. So <laughs> close. I think the closest one out of all of us was either me. Well, technically, it's Lou because he had the Chiefs. And 27-23. Yeah, that is pretty that's cool. the fun. That's definitely yeah. <laughs> but man, I thought I was uh I thought I was cooking for a minute there. I thought especially being the only one picking the 49ers. Oh, I thought I was gonna have a good little stare stare uh good little parade. Uh shouldn't shouldn't mention parades actually. Shout yeah. out to hopefully for all this everyone out there. Hope everything's okay. Yeah. Prayers up. Yeah, I think that that really sucks. But um Man. thing that happened at the end and then I mean, so hopefully you know hopefully everyone's safe and everything's good but anyways ah to onto newer pastures for a lot of these things and a lot of people here in these coaches this is carousel colby season three carousel time baby special oh my gosh this is gonna be ready i got my full rankings and grades Oh, you already had your full list made? Oh, boy. Oh, okay. Okay. I just had their list out. I just had the list of their names out, so I'm ready. And Don't worry. I'm still going to be ready. Okay. So I, as far as how you want to do this, you want to go uh, up? Because I, I just ranked them and gave a grade to each one at the same time when I made it. So we can go up the list. So there's eight names. This is kind of a weird cycle. There were so many big names available, but the people you thought would be big names, Har Harbaugh's the only one who uh, who actually took a job. Rabel and Belichick, I guess, are taking a year off. And uh, Ben Johnson was like, ah, I don't really want to be head coach. I'm going to stay, call place for the Lions. So there's an interesting group of names. Um, I'll just say I only have one. I only had one A hiring of all of these. I, I didn't like... I mean, I thought a lot of these hires are kind of question marks. They're fine. They're interesting. A lot of these guys are unknown. I really don't know what to expect from most of these coaches. So it's going to be fascinating. Um, so how do you want to do this? You want to go up from the top, down from the bottom? Um, Give me one second. Let me go ahead and hear. Let's go from the 
yeah, let's go here. I guess let's go from your perspective, Colby. Yeah, because I'm going to make my list. And obviously, I like to I like to always argue against it and everything, have my own opinion. I'm already great, giving out my grades right now real fast and everything. Yeah. Um, I think already I might be a little bit more of a positive person than you are. But <laughs> as I'm going through this, I think I only have one A as well, just right off the bat. Well, should we just two? Start? I have two, two oh, A's. Okay. All right. So let well, let's just start with this. Um, before we do the full rankings, it feels to me reminiscent of two years ago, the very first episode we ever did. Um, we both unanimously agreed that the Doug Peterson Jags hire was a plus best hire on the market. Um, do we both feel that way about Harbaugh? Because I had that as an A plus, and he was obviously the number one. And I mean, I think that most people feel that way. Oh, I do have him as my A. I have him as an A. Yes. He's not my A plus, Colby. Oh, so you have one higher. You know who my A plus is. Antonio Pierce. Yes, it's Antonio <laughs> Pierce. The Raiders did the right thing. God dang it, Colby! It's, it's the best, right the main thing. They did the right thing finally. I mean, sure, you got Harbaugh in your division now, but you know what? That locker room is ready to ride with Antonio Pierce and go the distance for this guy. So I want to see what happens there. I want to see what they do with this offseason because there are rumblings about them doing something at the quarterback position. Let me see what this guy got and everything. I already have confidence in what he can do as a defensive play caller. He's beaten the Chiefs before. And I'm really, I really like the idea of Antonio Pierce's Raiders, man. He got them. I feel like he got the Steeler Nation a little bit rising back, in my opinion. And then, of course, I do agree that it is an A for uh, the Chargers to get Harbaugh. I mean, you got Justin Herbert. That's that's just you know the problem with that though is Greg Roman. I mean, that's the only thing is the Greg Roman little attachment to it. Interesting. But I trust Harbaugh to figure it out. And the same thing, actually, with Antonio Pierce. I'm not going to let him off the hook too fast because he does have Luke Getze coming to help that him That was out. also an interesting hire, yeah. Some so of these both people... of these guys have interesting offensive coordinators, but I do like the head coach hire itself. Okay. So, yeah, we both agree Harbaugh, home run for the chore. I mean, that was the best stuff the Chargers could have done with the options that were out there. Belichick would have made sense for them, too, but I think Harbaugh is a better hire for the timeline. Um. All right, so for the rest of these, I have my rankings, so we just want to go in the order of my of the rankings um, just and just talk about each one as we go. Do you want me to go keep going down to all the way down to eight, or do you want me to start at the bottom and then go back up? Because Harbaugh is my number one, but. um, Go ahead and let's see. Who's your worst? Yeah, let's go from the bottom. Right, my worst hire, you and I might disagree on this one, but. We also have generally fairly different philosophies with coaching hires. I remember the very first one we did was very different. Last year's was kind of weird because I feel like there weren't there weren't as many job hires last year, and I think we had it a, wasn't. Nah, if I remember. I think it's only like five or six, if I remember. Um, so the one I had graded the worst, I gave this a D minus. Oh, eighth of eighth, Dan Quinn. I did not understand the Dan yeah. hire. I, I agree with that. Oh, okay. I'm, right right. I was... I'm actually right there with you. I okay. agree. I agree. I know he had some success in Atlanta, obviously made it to the Super Bowl, but he was really, as soon as he didn't have Kyle Shanahan as his offensive coordinator, he was a pretty much a disaster. Um, and their de- the Cowboys defense completely fell apart down the stretch against Green Bay, obviously. Now they had to play Jordan Love, who's the best quarterback in the NFC potentially. So that's, uh, I understand that. <laughs> um, but. Wow. Yeah. I don't know if he's actually the best. I just like to 
right, right now. Yes. I mean, if there's Kirk made, Cousins right now, the yes. no it's him and Jared Goff. Yeah. The hire made no sense to me going from a defensive coach that did not work in Ron to another defensive coach. When you're about to draft a quarterback with the number two pick in a great, highly touted quarterback draft, I thought it would made all the sense in the world to try to get OC. The rumor was they wanted Ben Johnson, but that that kind of fell apart and he had weird interviews and that whole thing. Um, they got Kingsbury as their OC, which is interesting. I mean, I definitely like Kingsbury more as an OC than a head coach. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really understand the Dan Quinn hire, man. I thought for as much of positive vibes as the commanders have right now, number two pick, new owners, fresh start and everything, and they're doing it right with a new GM, new coach, new quarterback, all coming in at the same time, so the same timeline. That's the right way mathematically time-wise to do it. I just thought that's not the hire I would have made. No disrespect to Dan Quinn, but I that was my least favorite of all the hires. And it's the only, well, I guess not the only retread, but one of the only two, re, three retreads if you count Harbaugh. That feels a little different. But, yeah, that was the worst hire to me. I did not understand that one. I mean, for me, I understand. For me, the only thing, reason why I understand it a little bit, I give this just a regular D, not a D minus. Um, and he's in last place just because I feel like there's no. They were going out there trying to find something to change, you know, and get themselves a newer identity. But in my eyes, really didn't do that. I mean, you went and got another defensive-minded guy who was in the same spot at who went to the Super Bowl and lost just like Ron Rivera did with a good defense. And this is when Dan Quinn was a head coach of the Falcons. Um, and like you said, he had no success without Kyle Shanahan. Now you're pairing him up with Cliffs Kingsbury. Um, so that's the only reason why I give it a little slight nudge is just because you've got somebody right there with you to hopefully spice up the offensive play calling. But at the end of the day, you're still going to be looking like I'm still thinking like you're going to probably spend your first draft pick on a on a defensive minded on a defensive player like they've done for the past few years. So I wouldn't be surprised either if that happened. And that's why I'm sitting here putting them at a D just because I feel like it's still the same old commanders is going to be it's still a defensive minded team going out out there. And then we'll see what what the offense can do. And like every week, the offense can be really good or it could be very, very shaky. So. Yeah, uh, I'm late. I'm I'm right there with you. He is my lowest grade, but he. I want to see if I can get this right next. I want to say, my next one. It's going to be Brian Callahan. Oh, interesting. Okay, I had Cal. I did not have Callahan as my next lowest. Um, you're gonna have to educate me on Callahan. That's the main reason why. That's the and to be quite honest, that is the one person that I. I had very little to figure out on. And the fact is, every time you mentioned that he was hired, I remember you guys mentioned it on the pod like a while back. And he's, I still could never connect the dots. So Brian Callahan, yeah, he's been the Bengals OC these last few years with Zach Taylor, Joe Burrow. I mean, yeah, I don't really know what's on about him other than he's been the Bengals OC. Um, I, I like that he's the offensive play caller, offensive mind for Will Levis. But, I mean, I still think it's absurd that they fired Vrabel. We don't have to rehash that. But, yeah. um, Well, I no, have, I think it's important to rehash it, Colby, because yeah. that's who he's filling in for. It's ridiculous. Um, So I'm sure it was definitely going to be a downgrade from Vrabel probably, but I feel like probably most of these guys, if not all of them, would be a downgrade from Vrabel. Maybe we'll be wrong. Maybe we'll be great. 
I, I thought I had Callahan. Well, I'll get to him. I don't have him as my next worst. I had that as like a B minus. I mean, he's had they have had a lot of success, and they did look good with he he and Zach Taylor. It's one of those weird things, right? Where it's an offensive minded head coach. So how do you really weigh the credit of who who you give more credit for their success between him and Zach Taylor? I think Taylor's a pretty good coach, so I'd probably lean more to him. But I had Callahan as like a B minus. I've got him sort of in the middle. It's I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how it's going to be as a head coach. That's the thing with most of these guys. We, I guess half of them, half of them we have seen as head coaches, and half of them we haven't. And Antonio Pierce, I mean, we've seen him for like six games as a head coach, seven games. Uh, but he did a good job. Good. On. Yeah, they're pretty so, good. So I had Callahan. I got him fifth on my list, actually, kind of right in the middle. I had his B minus higher. Um, but yeah, I'll be interested to see what he Thank does. Thank you for reminding. It doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't exactly, you know, get me super excited, but you know, we'll see. I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. It'll be interesting to see how it goes. And I, I feel do. like I remembered a lot now why I forgot him. It's because me and Christian did talk about this. Ryan Callahan, my and me and Christian probably are gonna bet on this because we both are thinking cornball bangles. But Joe Burrow probably carried a lot of this. Uh, that's what we were leading on and everything. So you're giving him the benefit of the doubt, and I'm leaning more towards not. So I can at least understand that. Yeah. All right. All right, so Brian Callahan, we'll see. Um, let me go with my next one. So the one I had the next lowest that I had in seven, uh, I gave this just a C. Uh, and that's Gerard Mayo. Uh, it's interesting. I'm fascinated to see what he looks like, but if feels i just don't like if they were going to move off belichick i don't like going in house i feel like i understand that he's been the coach and waiting for a while and they really like him but listen belichick assistance outside of new england have a very bad track record um maybe this will be different because it is new england i mean patriots belichick's literally coached them basically or pretty much our entire lives so it's going to be weird uh to see the patriots with a different coach that's not the route I would have gone. Maybe he'll be good, but this defensive coach just feels too similar. I feel like if they were going to move off Belichick, they should have really completely shaken things up, got a whole fresh start. So that's the main reason why I had it so low, uh, him so low compared to some of these other guys that I got above him. That, that's really the biggest reason. Maybe he'll prove me wrong be a really good coach. I don't think he's going to be horrible. That's why I like him more than Dan Quinn. That's why I gave it a C, but – I don't know exactly what to expect. I just I feel like they should have gone more for a full fresh start. Yeah, I'm right there with you, actually. Um, same grade as you. See, nothing, nothing really wowed me about this. I mean, I have a bunch of Jared Mayo rookie cards, so the value in those go up. That's pretty Great cool. Linebacker. Yeah, and he played linebacker, so that's cool. But um, yeah, I really do think uh, I think defensively. It's a good hire. I mean, I want to see how they do on the offensive side of the ball because that's where a lot of the questions were this season. And Gerard Mayo doesn't really answer those questions for me. So I don't want to say that it's still a, yeah, it's just a C hire. I'm interested to see what he could do with the offensive side of things. I know he can do, he can lead a good defense. I mean, he did it last season. I mean, when he was leading the defense. So yeah. Um, no disagreement there. 
Who you got next? Because uh, I got a. He was one of the two C's that I had. Had two D's, two C's, two B's, two A's, two of yeah. everything. Okay, I had well the rest of mine. So I'll just tell you the rest. The next four I have are all some type of B. So I had a lot of just B hires. So like <laughs> they were like. All right, then let me give you my last C then. Okay. I'll all right. I have them. My last C hire. It was Dave Canales of Ooh, the Panthers. Okay. And it's just because he's, isn't he also, hang on, give me a quick fact check here. I'm pretty sure he is the, uh, was he the OC or DC of the Bucks? OC. OC. Okay. So yes, this is why I'm oh, going with a C guy. here. Okay. This is why I'm going with a C here. Because they still have Ejero Evero giving him the benefit of the doubt here. A strong benefit <laughs> of the doubt here. But Dave Canales, man. You're not, he was working with aging vets, and now he's going to have to go from building with that to literally starting from fresh and a quarterback that a lot of people have already judgments about. We're going to have to see if he can do the same thing that Mike McDaniels did in Miami with Tua and resurrect, can he resurrect that type of quarterback? You know, oh. I have him as a C. And he's higher than, don't get me wrong, he's higher than Mayo because he is an offensive coordinator. It does help the fact it gives another chance for another breath of life for uh, Bryce. But it doesn't, for me, it just doesn't kick enough. You know, it doesn't have enough of that kick. So that's why I have him as my other seat. Interesting. I was a little higher on this higher than you are. Um, I had him as a B. I have him as fourth right above Brian Callahan. I like that he's a young offensive mind just in general. And he did wonders with Baker this year, helping Baker revive his career. So I think that's just really good for Bryce Young. That's the main reason I like it. He seems like they, they really liked him in interviews. It's fresh. New chance to start fresh. Look, I love you – now, to be fair, I loved the Frank Reich hire last year, and that turned out to be a disaster. Um, I think you and I both liked that hire at the time, and it was a disaster. Now, Carolina's a mess as well, so I kind of took that into account. They're sort of very dysfunctional organization right – excuse me, right now. Um, and because of that, I thought this was an interesting interesting hire. They weren't going to get any of the big-name hotshot coaches, so I think this is probably – kind of the right route to try to go when you are trying to rebuild your image, rebuild your franchise, disastrous spot. They're still awful, but I think this could be really good for Bryce Young, so that's why I was a little higher on you. I just had it as a straight B. Um, yeah. My next guy that I had sixth, who I know for a fact that you're going to like higher, be higher on than I am, uh, and I think he's a good hire. He's interesting. I think all of these right here from two to six are pretty close for me, to be honest. I don't think they're, I don't have a great variance of opinion in it between all of them. I had Mike McDonald six as a B minus uh, to Seattle, just because look, I'm just generally more skeptical of defensive coaches. Like, sorry, but actually a lot of these guys are defensive coaches. So um, Canales and Calhan are the only true offensive coaches. I guess Harbaugh is technically an offensive coach, but He's almost in his own lane. Um, I think he's very smart. He was excellent schematically for the Ravens. I think it's an interesting hire. I don't dislike it by any means. I just I gave it a B minus because they already kind of had it. Again, I thought they should have tried to go the offensive coach route. They didn't. Um, that's really the only thing I'm holding against him. But he, he's great schematically. I thought he was terrific as the DC for the Ravens. So he's young. 
It's fresh compared to having Pete Carroll has been very old. So I like the higher generally. I mean, I have it as a B minus. I said a lot of these are all in the same range for me. Um, so I thought it was a solid hire, but, you know, it doesn't blow me away or anything. Well, okay. Let me uh, let me just pump the brakes a little bit there for you, Colby. Um, I had Mike McDaniel in third place. Uh, if we're going by the numbers here, Mike I had McDonald. him at Mike third. McDonald. Wow, Mike McDonald. Mike McDonald. There we go, Mike McDonald. What a name! That's gonna be a. Uh, that's gonna be so catchy. Yeah, that and Mike that's gonna be so catchy. That's gonna oh, get so. Catchy. Mike McDonald and a Mike McDaniel's. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's gonna be an electric game for the commentators. Um, but this one right here, I like because Seattle. Yes, they're moving from Pete Carroll, who was a. I guess he was an all-around coach. I don't know what he really was because he was good at USC at making yeah. offenses work and good at bringing defenses. So it's both, I guess you can say. But what do you? What were you saying? Carroll's more of a defensive guy, though. He's a defensive coach, I would say. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too because a lot of their recent draft picks were defensive. And that's why I like this one a lot. It's because all those young defensive players, it's just like Baltimore. But now he's got, I think, a little bit more young talent that he can work with there. And of course it's the Seattle. You still got Pete Carroll there and the upper, you know, exact position, whatever he's doing. But I feel like that's their type of brand of football right now that Pete Carroll built and Mike McDaniel can fit that description pretty well and can help carry on that. For me personally, I think Mike McDaniel will be very interesting to see what he does at quarterback after he saw <laughs> what Lamar did. I feel like he's going to be, I feel like he will probably take a shot at some agile guy. I feel like, I don't know, like a Jaden McDaniels or something, maybe. I, I, I'm not going to be able to get Jaden Daniels. He's going to go in the top three. See, just because of the Heisman. I got to remember the Heisman. Uh, yeah, maybe at what you're thinking, Bo. That's probably what Colby's thinking, Bo. Anyways, this is not draft talk. This is coach yeah, talk. It's too right. soon. Too soon. Um, but yeah, I'm a big fan of this hire, actually. I like Mike McDaniel at Mike McDonald. Sorry, it's gonna take a little bit. It's gonna take a little bit. It's gonna take a little bit. Mike McDonald. Uh to I like him. He's a B plus for third place. All right, that's fair. I mean, yeah, I think it's a solid hire. I said you can make a decent case for any of these guys. I don't feel too strongly about any of them over the others uh, other than Harbaugh. So I had Canales and Callahan at four and five. Um, so that yes. brings – well, we're almost done, actually. There's only really one and a half more names we've discussed. So I'll just say your your guy, you already talked about your favorite, Antonio Pierce. I had him third. Uh, and nice. he got a solid B. I really like it. I mean, I thought he did a great job. I thought that's what they should have done. We've talked about Antonio Pierce a good deal already on here, so I don't not going to spend much time on it. But, yeah, I – I generally agree with you. I'm not quite as over the moon with it just because my one concern is I do feel like there is just sort of generally that interim coach coach bump in a season when you get an interim coach. And then in the few cases where they end up getting the long-term job, that doesn't always translate over. But everyone seems to love him. He seems like a great defensive-minded coach. He's a great player. The locker room vibes completely changed, as you said, from they all hated Josh McDaniels and – uh, they all love Antonio Pierce, Max Crosby. I mean, their best player literally threatening that he was going to request a trade if they hired anyone else besides Antonio Pierce. So that's pretty, 
tells you how they feel about him. So I thought that was an excellent hire. Um, the only one I had above him, I actually had number two and a hire that confused me a little bit at the time, but the more I heard about it and the more I thought about it, the more I liked it, is Raheem Morris uh, going to Atlanta, where he was actually the interim coach. I that one up from the beginning. I thought that is a B-plus just because everyone speaks incredibly highly of Raheem Morris. It feels a little – it's not exactly the same because he's been a coach for a long time, whereas D'Amico Ryans was a hot shot. Uh, young up-and-coming coach who's just a superstar. But it feels mm-hmm. similar kind of vibes to D'Amico Ryan's, like a really sharp defensive guy everyone loves. Mike Tomlin has spoken in say- very high of Raheem Morris. He said it's crazy that he hasn't had a head coaching job, that there's no way there's 32 better coaches. Um, everyone seems to love, really love Raheem Morris. I'm glad he's getting a second shot. He did go 10-6. and six. I didn't even realize this. He did have a one ten and 6 season with Josh Freeman. Thanks. Yeah. Bucks, uh, back like I don't know when that would have even been 09, 2010, 2011, somewhere in that range. Um, which is impressive. <laughs> mm-hmm. Josh Freeman. So I actually had that as my second favorite hire. I thought the more I thought about it, I thought that was a I thought Atlanta it seemed like they were going to try to go Belichick. It felt like they were going to be the Belichick team, uh, for a little bit there. But I thought this was a really, really nice hire for Atlanta. So I actually like Raheem Morris hire quite a bit. It broke my heart between Raheem Morris and uh, what's it called? Mike McDonald. But I was a huge fan of this hire. Yes, that's why he is in fourth place. I got him nice and soundly in fourth place. He has a B. He has my B rating. Solid B. Mike McDonald had a B plus. Um, but yeah, I, I really do like the hire. Um, defensive guy, of course. Again, question marks on the offense another team with a lot of question marks on the offense but the falcons did need more of an identity um arthur smith just lost complete control and traction of this team near the end of the season more like midway probably through the season um so yeah i think with raheem morris especially when you have that past head coaching history and he's getting a second chance after all these years i feel like this is going to be a good second shot for him and everything back in the nfc south and it's the main reason why I also have Dave Canales below them and bo- directly below them. If you think about it, I have them Dave at five, Raheem in fourth, because I think Raheem will probably do will have a little bit more success than Dave will have. I'd agree with that. Yeah, I had him above as well. Um, we actually had a pretty, there was some dis- slight disagreement, but overall, we we're kind of locking step on. We had the same top three, I would say, or you have McDonald slightly above Raheem, you said, or you have Raheem slightly above. I had McDonald at three, so okay. mine's oh. went Antonio Pierce, Harbaugh. Mine's went Antonio Pierce, Harbaugh, McDaniel. I mean, McDonald, fuck. <laughs> this is going to take some time. It's going to be a killer. And Raheem Morris. And Raheem Morris. And then at four, Dave Canales at five, uh, Mayo at six, and then Callahan at seven, Queen at eight. Okay, yeah, all right, so not too different. I had Harbaugh 1, Raheem Morris 2, Antonio Pierce 3, Canales 4, Callahan 5, McDonald 6, Rob Mayo 7, Dan Quinn, we both have as our least favorite hire, so I'm glad we agree on that. Now that is the coaching hire special, folks. Three years running, another excellent- Three years. You want to have a little quick bonus side, a little meal to this real quick, Colby? Ready? Let's yeah. talking about OCs. You ready? Oh. Bills are bringing back Joe Brady. You happy about that? You think that's a good thing or a bad thing? Greater on that. 
think I think that's smart. He their offense definitely they improved once he took over as OC. So yeah, I'd say that's smart. Give it a B. Yeah, sure. B B plus. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, a big great. Right. The reason why I, I wanted to give you that cookie just to get that out of the way because the Eagles went and got a new set of coordinators, folks. And yeah. this time they went and got Kellen Moore and Vic Fangio. So that's pretty much bringing in a whole other half to the coaching spectrum, Colby. What grade do you give the Eagles? Fangio is a home run. That's Fangio's A plus to get him. Kellen Moore, I'm not as crazy about. I didn't think he was great this year with the Chargers. That's probably like a C plus. Um, Kellen Moore, I'm much more skeptical, but getting Fangio is huge for them. I thought that was excellent. I agree. I think Fangio, he's still he's still got it. I mean, what happened at the Miami Dolphins, you can also consider health into that as well. And he was putting up a decent shot in, I don't know, like a freezing below frigid, one of the coldest games the NFL has ever recorded, you know, so that type of deal. Just, just saying. So, and for Kellen Moore, yeah, what a stinker he put up this year, right? That was not it. If you were a Chargers fan, if you were Justin Herbert, you were expecting, what is it? You go from Lombardi. Yeah, you go from Joe Lombardi to Kellen Moore. Thinking the passing game is going to open up, and that just completely fell apart. So maybe Kellen Moore, though, I feel like the main kicker, kicker here is he's probably going to be having a little bit also inside information on if this is if the Cowboys decide to bring back Dak, but also just how maybe, maybe he's going to help out with some game planning against, you know, teams in the NFC again. Maybe that's where he belongs. Maybe he belongs in the NFC. That's an interesting takeaway. I hadn't thought about that, but they're bringing back Dak. Yeah, that's uh, I know. Right. And it's always crazy with that, not with that Dallas Cowboy drama, always something that could come up. It's going to be, well, now that we're done with the coaching carousel, yeah, I guess I can mention it. It's going to be an interesting free agency. So uh, they had, I was watching Kirk Cousins on Pat McAfee's show, and boy, oh boy, does he still want to be a Viking, Colby. So sure he'll still be, yeah. I mean, I think that we'll see what happens first, though. There's a lot that has to happen in the free agency. Unless, unless they just absolutely love uh, one of these quarterbacks in the draft, which is possible. Yeah, I mean, it could be complete fools. That's the that's the other thing. But it can also be a fool to fall for Kirk Cousins all over again. So it could go either way at this point. That's the NFL. That's how you go. That's how you got to live by it. It's the beauty of everything, right, Colby? Sure, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look at you and Kenny, Kenny Pickett right now. Yeah, for now, everyone, the, all this Justin Fields buzz is, it's interesting. I don't know. That's how really I, it, huh? I don't know how I feel about the Justin Fields buzz. I don't know. I'm not opposed to them running. Listen, Kenny Pickett disappointed me a lot this year, but I'm not opposed to them giving him one more shot with hopefully a real OC now, um, an actual offense to run um, and seeing how he looks. Because, I mean, he still has had some moments in his career where he's shown me some reasons to believe. I wouldn't be mad if they got Justin Fields. I don't know that they're actually going to do that. That would be very uncharacteristic of the Steelers, I would say. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. But I'm not opposed to giving Kenny one more shot. Anyways. Well, ready yeah, to- I was about to say, anyways. Finish <laughs> out strong I- NBA here? Yeah, let's go to the NBA. I think it's time. Okay, 
So, yeah, we just got one quick little NBA segment before we go, um, before it gets too late over here on the East Coast. It was oh, All-Star weekend, as Jalen said. The Timberwolves playing later tonight. That's the last game before All-Star break. There's only three games tonight. Um, Give the Wolves a primetime spot, you know, even though it's on, uh, what is it, Root Network, because it's at Portland. So They, they absolutely <laughs> boat raced the, the uh, Clippers uh the other night, which was impressive. They're there. Uh, One seed still. They're still looking very good. Look, that game was not really a boat race. That was more uh they the Clippers gave us a good challenge. Let's give it that. And then the fourth quarter, that's when we turned things up. That was really a great fourth quarter presence by the Wolves. And honestly, an amazing road trip so far by them as well. I mean, they got one more game left, of course, to finish it up, but I mean, I saw this graphic and it was like Conley, Gobert, Pat, and Anthony Edwards both had over 120 points during this road trip within the four game span. So all four of them are just balling right now. I mean, you got veteran presence and young, young presence coming in there for the Wolves. It's just beautiful. It's just so beautiful right now. You can be concerned, though, when it comes playoff time, when you feel like Yes, I feel like I'm going to be saying this too. This is the worst part. I know I'm going to be saying this come playoff time, but the Wolves may have won the regular season series against these guys. Um, I think there's probably one or two more games left. I'm going to pull this up real quick. But yeah, the Wolves, man, they got a nice, I got a nice schedule going forward. We play the Clippers twice. They got the Nuggets three times. You guys are our biggest. Yeah. Cha- we we are we are our own biggest challenge going after this All Star break. So great content coming forward about that. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I really do think uh think the Wolves got a good chance here and make a good push. And they look good. It's fun basketball right now. It certainly is. You're definitely right about that. Um, yeah, the the Wolves in a, in a good spot. But yeah. So just to finish out here, the segment I had was with it is the all-star break this weekend. Um, we've talked about the all-star teams already, so we're not going to rehash that. We'll see what happens. Uh if Jalen wants to yell at Paolo again for his performance in the skills challenge, even though as I should well proven himself by this point. Um, he's justified all the hype. But the hype from me, not from other people. He doesn't really get any hype. That was his first. I don't know if did you see the picture I sent you yesterday or two days ago, um, where I texted you where he was on national TV for the first time in his career when they were on TNT. They got destroyed by the Yes, show. I did see that. But anyways. Um, wait, wait, you texted it? No. If you texted it, no. I did not see that. No. Okay. Anyway. But. I have so, an iPhone, man. <laughs> The Green bur- bubbles is not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. The burning questions of um, burning questions going into the All Star break, or basically burning questions for the back half of the season, rather. So, like, Star break. What are the We're big- moving along, man? Moving along on this yeah, season. We're about to be a primarily a basketball show for well, we'll have free agency and drafts for a week. For a week. <laughs> so. Uh, I know you said you only had a couple questions. Do you want me to just go through a few of mine? And that, I mean, I only have a couple, but I wrote down eight. I don't know if I'm going to go through all. Let later. me go through mine because I only got two. Yeah, Sorry right. to keep interrupting you, but I only got two. Go ahead. All right. 
First question, Colby, and it's one that we already said at the beginning of the show that you didn't have on your list, and it's simple. Colby, do the Suns find a way into the top four? Okay? Now, they, I'm looking at their strength of schedule before you answer. Okay. They have the hardest remaining strength of schedule of the entire league. They are number one. They play the Celtics twice, the Wolves twice, the Thunder twice, the Cavs twice, the Clippers twice, and the Nuggets twice. Wow, that is a gauntlet. Can uh, they make it to the top four? I don't think Playing so. those teams, they get a shot. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that's that's the other side of it is they can knock some of those teams above them down in some games. So right now, looking at the standings, there are three games behind Denver, who's fallen into the fourth spot. Um, they are in fifth. I think I doubt it. I mean, they they just don't. I don't know that they have the depth to to win wear and tear on a basic basis. They have looked a lot better. I'll say that they've looked pretty good with all three of their guys actually healthy and playing together for a stretch now. Um, I still don't really fully believe in them as one of the major contenders, but they're definitely a threat. Um, because because of who they have, it's gonna be fascinating to see. I doubt they get into those top four teams though. Um, I doubt they catch the top four. But I think they'll probably finish right where they – if I had to guess, I would guess they'll finish right where they are now and be the fifth seed, which is still a good spot. That would be playing your Nuggets, right, at number four? As of today. I mean, we'll see how the state uh, – I have a same. question about that as well. But All right, cool. Oh, I can't wait to hear that one. All right, and my last question. Can the Warriors do it, Colby? Can they make the playoffs again? Oh, make the just make the playoffs. Yeah, how the mighty have fallen. I mean, they can. I don't think they will. They are. I had a Warriors question on here as well. This is a Warriors Lakers combo question, which I guess I'll just say it now, which was just how real is both their resurgence, Lakers and Warriors, because they have both been kind of on a tear lately, headed into the All Star break. I mean, the listen, the thing for the Warriors, I think they'll be in the play in. It's probably gonna. My guess is it'll come down to. The thing is. There's just so many good teams in the West. Like it's going to come down to them or the Lakers probably fighting with someone for that last spot. They're going to be competing with each other. So that's going to be fascinating. Um, the bright, the real bright spot I'll say for the Warriors is they have really hit on two of the, uh, Kaminga is finally coming to his own. He's really breaking out. He's been excellent the last month or so. Um, so that's huge for them. He, he has become a really exciting young player. He's still only like 21 or 22 years old. I think. I mean, he came into the league at like 18. So that's exciting. And the other thing for them the that's been the, their rookie pods, Brandon, Brandon Podicheski, I may be butchering that. He, I mean, he took Clay Thompson's starting spot tonight. Like, and he's literally better than Clay Thompson at this point. He should, he deserves to be starting. He, that was a steal by them. So that's the one thing uh, that I'll give them credit for that. He, he is a really interesting young player. He's been very good. So they have some youth. Uh, to go with the old guys now that is kind of, I feel like, been the key to this sort of resurgence, and now they have Draymond back. Draymond's starting to get feisty again, so we'll see if he has any more incidents. But at the end of the day, I still I don't think they're going to get – I think they'll have a chance, but I think they'll be knocked out in the play-in. Well, Colby, Brandon Podenzeski is the name. Podenzeski, Podenzeski, yeah, I don't know how to and he of course is on my radar it's the all-star break colby and you know i love watching the rising stars game he is going to be on team powell and you're ready for this team lineup i actually wanted to bring this up to your attention i'm glad you mentioned him 
he is going to be hooping with the likes of Wemby, Brandon Miller, Jamie Jacquez, or J- Jami Jacquez. Jaime. Jaime. Jaime Jacquez. That's how I'm going to. Jaime Jacquez. Um, and Jabari Smith with honorable mentions of Bilal from the Wizards. Cool and, Yeah, like- Bilal. Like cool Thank you. And Kaysen Wallace from the Thunder. So that team sounds pretty stacked. Uh, when you when you give uh, Brandon Podenzeski the hype that you have just given him, averaging at the time of when I wrote those down, nine points, three assists, three and a half assists, and five and a point seven rebounds. What a dog! He is pulling up good numbers for the Warriors. Like um, five, eight, and seven uh, the other night. But the main reason why I wrote this question down, Colby, is just because I know you said the resurgence of these guys. And you're gonna to get to that here in a second. Well, it's probably the veteran. It's probably that veteran presence from Draymond Green and everything. Oh yeah, I really, I, I really do think that gap without him hurt him more than we expected. I thought I knew they were gonna be struggling, but I didn't think they would be struggling that bad without Draymond. Yeah, you know I mean his presence on the court is now felt. Yeah. I mean him and Curry. It seemed like he might have been the original splash. He might have been the original splash brother the whole time, Colby. Well, he, he, been Draymond backpack. he is. Was well, Draymond the, the actual? Was Draymond really the Luigi of these Splash Brothers? Was it always well, Draymond? Well, I wouldn't call him a Splash Brother, but he. I would say he's the second most important player to the dynasty. Absolutely, just because of the defense, and he's a really he creates because of the screening and passing and the chemistry he has with Steph. Steph plays much better on offense when Draymond's out there. So he does open a lot of things up for Steph as we hit the 10-minute warning here. Um, oh, that's a shame. We're so, going to have to extend that. I'm sorry. I thought he was – yeah, we'll, we'll see. I thought he was uh, – uh, it helps him a lot. But, yeah, and right. there, I just think the West is so tough, man. You look at all these teams. It is. It is. It's so fun. That's That's the best part about it. All right. You got eight questions. I just knocked out two of the ten. So you got the rest, Colby. Take it away. Okay. So I don't know if I'll go through all eight of them. I'll go through some of them quicker. I'll just go through my bigger ones. We just knocked out one of them, so it's only seven other ones. Uh, my biggest, my number one question that I wrote down, is the Cavs explosion for real, or is it going to be another playoff flame out for them? So the last month or two months, they've been as good as anyone in the league. They're 9-1 in their last 10. They've climbed up to the two seed. Donovan Mitchell's been going crazy. They now have Garland and Mobley back. And they're kind of working through some of the weird chemistry fit, but they've still been winning. They play excellent defense. They have more shooters now than they did last year. Niang and Max Struess has been huge for them. Um, so the, my, that's honestly my biggest question is, how real is this Cavs thing? Are they actually going to be in a spot where they could win a round, maybe even two in the Eastern Conference playoffs, which looks more vulnerable than you would have thought going into the year? Or is it going to be like last year where they just got their doors kicked in by the Knicks? And are they just going to flame out in the playoffs again? What, who are the Cavs really? Because they've been excellent for two months. They've been as good as anyone. So that's I'm fascinated to see what happens with them down the stretch. So they got the one thing that a lot of the good teams in the West, uh, like the number one team in the West has. Uh, they got size. They do have size. That's uh, That's been a key factor this season, apparently. Is size does matter. Um, and, but they, their size is a lot younger, but when you have Jared Allen in the Mobley, I guess, taking a step up, I hate to say it, but it's more of Mitchell and yeah, really Mitchell taking over while Garland was gone, is gone. And 
So can it happen? Possibly, but I'm technically still going to be leaning on the side of, I think this thing's going to fizzle out. I mean, I'm looking at the Knicks. I'm looking at, uh, I'm looking at the Celtics still personally. You still, I, I am afraid of the zombie heat. Um, we joke about them a lot and this joking and the fun sense, because we know that they're probably still going to hold on to that eight seed with the death grip. So you got them, you got the Celtics, you got the Knicks, like I mentioned. And then there's also the team that maybe we should have hyped up a little bit more Colby and that we shouldn't have bail out too soon yet because there's also the magic <laughs> and the, Colby, remember this. And I, actually, I want you to remember this because I want to tell you this key stat as I'm looking on this. The Magic has the easiest remaining strength of schedule remaining. Okay. They got all their hard games out the way. Their their hardest game is one game against the Cavs, one game against the Clippers, two against the Bucks, one against the Knicks, and two against the Pelicans. That's it. That is the rest of their schedule. They got three games against the Hornets. They got two games against the Pistons. Woo! The Magic could be climbing soon, folks. Dang. So it's would not be crazy to think that any of the other Eastern teams can also catch ground while the Cavs were on this nice stretch and their strength of schedule as I'm looking, they're dead sent. They're dead smacks in the middle. They're at 16. So <laughs> I, I say they flame out. I'm going to say they flame out. Interesting. So, I mean, I think they'll get one of the top four seeds, I would say. Uh, the Magic, it's going to be tough for them to climb all the way up to Cleveland. But at, uh, What, eight? They're at eight or seven. Eight. They're at eight right now. Well, they, they yeah. have the same record as Miami, but Miami has the tiebreaker because they beat them a couple times head-to-head. Um, but, yeah, they could certainly climb up. That's interesting. The team – well, I'll get to the team that could be in real trouble of dropping um, here in one of my other questions. But, yeah, I would love to see the Magic climb up. Yeah, I, I don't know if I, I – I'm going to have a hard time trusting the Cavs in the playoffs until I see them actually win a playoff series. So I'd agree with you on that. Um, but also, they could benefit. I mean, it's going to be the thing of the draw. I'll, I'll just go into – this wasn't my next question, but it kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with that. So I'll just – this is really just a quick one um, because it's really just about – a lot of these are kind of about seeding. But it's just going to be where does Miami fall? Where does Miami wind up with the seeding? Because as we talked about, is there going to be some musical chairs to try to not have to face Miami? Like, obviously, like it, you could be in a spot where Indiana or Orlando has a better record than Miami, but you'd much rather play those two young teams, obviously, than the Heat if you're Boston or Cleveland or Milwaukee. Um, so that's sad and fascinating to see. Because if Cleveland is the – say Cleveland right now, like it'd be Cleveland-Miami is the 2-7. Is anyone picking Cleveland? Miami. Yeah, I'd give that to Miami. So, like, I think the Cavs, it'll be fascinating to see who they wind up matched up with and where Miami ends up. Um, ah, that's a good question. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, I got five more questions. Um, Keep going. Yeah, I was about to say, I'm going to let that one roll. <laughs> I'm send one more Zoom that we can just finish this up quickly. I don't want to go too late here because it's getting late. I got you. But, uh, yeah. All right, so my next biggest question, one that we kind of – hinted at touched on but and it involves both of our teams but just how do these top four in the west finish so tight all year minnesota currently the one oklahoma city oh. and two a game back of them clippers a game and a half back of them and three nuggets who are on a three-game losing streak two and a half back 
or a, or a game back of the Clippers, two and a half back of Minnesota. So it's been tight, neck and neck. Just how are these four going to fall? How is that seeding going to play out? And that's going to be massive when it comes to home court in the playoffs and such. Also, who they're going to be matched up with is going to be interesting. There's literally 10 legitimate – I mean, if you count the Warriors, it's a good team. There's 10 legitimately good teams in the West. It's, I mean, it's wild. So it's going to be fascinating to see how this plays out. As far as I would just be interested to see how the seeding lines up, if it stays like it is, is Denver the champs going to move up? The Clippers move up, down, Thunder up, down, Minnesota. Can they hang on to the one? That's a big question. It's just how will those top four finish up? I think it depends on where we go, where we're at come April. I think that question is going to be even more burning when we're at April, mostly because it's going to be that time where it's going to be like, okay, how what what we go, what matchups are we going to be seeing? You know, if the Wolves and Thunder are really the one and two seeds, they're most likely going to be facing those vet, one of the veteran teams in the Lakers and Warriors. Like that's going to be brutal right off the bat. But at the same time, if you're the Nuggets, you probably would you want to see the Suns right now? Like that's the thing that you got to be thinking about. Would, in the first round, no, I would much yeah. face the other teams below them than the Suns. <laughs> Yeah, like, honestly, like, that's some of the things that you have to consider. What are the Pelicans going to look like? I mean, their last 10 games, they're 7-3. and three. So, I mean, the West is just so ridiculous. I mean, for God's sakes, everyone, if you mentioning the Pelicans, they're only five games back from the one seed. Uh, I mean, all it takes is just for uh, two teams to slip and for them to get on a hot streak. Right now, one of them is slipping, and... Well, luckily, we built ourselves a nice cushion as four seeds, Colby. But, uh, yeah, it's a, it's going to be a grind. I think uh, if you were to ask me, though, obviously, I think there's a firm firm grip on that one seed right now. I like what I've seen from Minnesota. So I think they they should be – they definitely have a good chance to hold on to it. Their defense is just <sighs> – Number one. All right, four more questions. This one's very straightforward. This is a pretty quick one. Philadelphia, will – and this is very simple, and this is not one we'll probably be able to answer really, but will Embiid, Joel Embiid return in time for the playoffs, or is this just going to be a lost year? And they're the team I was mentioning that's in real danger probably of falling down the standings without Embiid. They've got a couple wins without him, uh, but they're 3-7 and seven in their last 10. They clearly miss him. They're down to the five seed, and – Indiana's only two games behind them, and uh, Orlando and Miami only two and a half games behind them. They could easily fall all the way to the eighth seed and right into the play-in if they're not careful. Um, it's not exactly clear if Embiid will be able to come back before the season, before the playoffs. It's on the board. Or So that's my big question. Are they relevant enough? Is he able to recover quickly enough to make it even worth it? Or do you just say – Ah uh, man, like we screw it. It's not worth the risk. We're not doing it this year, which is a shame because they were looking really strong to start the year, and he was on a tear. Um, so that's just another burning question: is will will he be able to come back, or will it even be worth it for him to come back by the time he would be able to? As I don't know how they're going to be able to tread water without how they're going to do without a man. Um, so I'm going to be sitting here in the corner saying. This isn't it. Uh, I think they're not going to be able to tread water, Colby. Here's the breaking out. Their strength of schedule here says 
They got number their ninth. They got the ninth hardest strength of schedule remaining. Coming back from this all-star break, you ready for this, Colby? They're going to be facing the Knicks, the Cavs, the Bucks, and the Celtics. That's brutal. We will get a firm answer on what the 76ers are by the end of February. That is that is when the Celtics play them in, on the 27th. So, yeah, I, that question could be answered pretty quickly. And if I were to be honest with you, I see four straight losses there. Um, I think we, I don't think they're going to trend water. Um, Tyrese Maxey has been playing good basketball. I mean, he's doing his best. Like you said, he, they have beaten the Cavs. They beat the, Wiz yeah, yeah, I can't really hype up the Wizards, but I mean, losses to the losses to the Hawks and the Heat. That's and the Nets too, for that matter. That's just not, not the direction you want to be going, especially when you lose your star superstar. So. I just, uh, yeah, I don't see him trending water, Cole. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I think it's going to be very tough. It feels bad, but probably better to just wrap it up. God, yeah. uh, think about the offseason where they will have a couple, a lot of cap space, and they'll be about the only contender with cap space, which is interesting. Um, finally, I right? Remember, go, remember we were in, uh, in college finally when the Sixers had all this ridiculous money going left and right. <laughs> During this whole trust the process thing, and they're like, "Hey, well, they're just doing all these buyout contracts and let everything." And here we are. Look at that. They have the most cap space now going forward. Yeah, yeah. There we go. It's gonna be interesting to see. All right, three more quick questions. The last two are pretty simple, so uh, I'll actually save the best one for last. So I'll just go to okay. okay. Going off the in the East and Philly team right below them, Indiana. Can they keep climbing? How high can they get? And is this team with Halliburton, and now that they have Siakam, are they actually equipped to make some noise in the playoffs and maybe win a round? Might be a tall ask, but they it has worked. Listen, the Siakam trade was definitely a good move. I'll give him credit for that. Um, he fits with Halliburton. I like them as a duo. Um, do they have enough to really do anything in the playoffs? I don't know. I'm skeptical. Just getting there would be a win. Um, because they're obviously kind of obviously at the end of a rebuild now. Same with the Magic, where just it's baby steps, right? They're not gonna make it to the Eastern Conference Finals or win the title or anything. That's just not where they are. They've gotten a little better defensively with the Siaka moves, but they're still atrocious defensively. But just what can they become? How high can they climb? Can they get up to fifth and even into that top four, maybe? And could they win a round? So they are a fun team. So that'll be fascinating to see where the Pacers wind up. So for the Pacers, I actually think they can climb here. I actually do think so. It's it stings a little bit because I hesitate just because of Buddy Heald and the scoring that he gives and all that jazz. But as I'm looking at these past two games without him and everything, and they got Spicy P finally in the system and running, it's uh, it's, you know, it's coming together. It's going to come together. Like you said, you got to give it some time. We know what Spicy P brings to the table. And more importantly, I hate to keep bringing it up, but they do have a relatively easy remaining strength of schedule. Um, so it, that makes it easier to climb. I mean, they come back from the break. They play the Pistons, the Mavs, the Raptors, and Pelicans. So Raptors, Pelicans could be a little bit of a challenge, if depending on who you are. Um, but... I'm looking over here at the other website and they got their hardest games. It's going to be two against the thunder 
and two against the Cavs. That's it when we're considering the Eastern Conference, it looks like. Their hardest competitor is going to be the Cavs. So they can climb because they play the Pistons twice. They play the Nets three times, the oh, Bulls twice, that's and the Raptors twice. So they can climb, Colby. There's a chance there for them to climb. Yeah, I can't wait to. That's that's interesting. The Nets are terrible sidebar also. They're just a disaster. They should have blown it up and traded Mikhail Bridges. There were teams giving them three, four picks. They were offering for them, yeah. Rockets would have given them their picks back for Mikhail Bridges, and they said no. That's crazy. They could have gotten it back. I think it's because they get it. I think it's because the offer was, yeah, dude, we'll give it to you. We'll give them back. Like, I feel like they were like, dude, that's like a backhand trade. Like, like, oh, come on, man. That's it's like a backhand trade. Um, I'm actually not, I'm just have one more because the other one was kind of stupid. So, well, no, come on. The last one, it just kind of was going to be the other one was just which mid teams will implode and really kind of fall flat. Will any rise up? So, by that, I'm talking about your Chicago's, your Atlanta's, your Af- and they're below average, but your aforementioned Brooklyn's, Houston, Utah. I feel like they're all kind of just fading. Oh. I don't see anything. The one team that I think won't blow up, Colby, I can already give you this answer it's going to be Houston. I still believe in Houston. They are kind of free falling right now, but they are. They have talent. Ime, yeah, but there's some controversy there. But look, controversy. The thing is, like, it's not the NFL, man. The NBA is such a slow burn, and it's a slow build. Like this year has already, to me, been a huge success for Houston. Even if they do finish pretty poorly, they still have all those Nets picks. They Shingun has emerged as a budding young star. Ime has worked out pretty great. Like, yeah. I would still consider this year a success for Houston. But yeah, I just I would agree. And if you're the Hawks, I think they're breaking in. I mean, look, we know, like you said, Trey Young is going to be there for that play in tournament. They're 10th right now. He's got to keep building onto his legacy as the play in GOAT. Um, I was about to say, I don't think they're letting off that 10 spot. I don't think they're they got Bandolam as the Nets, Raptors, and Hornets. Yeah. I think, uh, I think it's really going to be hard for the Eastern Conference to implode for those two teams to implode. But considering the performance that I am watching right now out of the Grizzlies facing the Bucks, I am very confident in saying that I feel like the Rockets can get a chance to jump the Jazz. And I'm going to take a peek here. Just get the little strength of schedule sheet that I've just been turning to for very much of this episode. <laughs> um, the Jazz come in at number six. All right, so they got the sixth remaining. The Rockets come in at 17th. I I feel a little better about that take. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, would, I think the Rockets are, are more interesting than the Jazz. I'd say the Jazz are a weird team. That's um, why, too. That's why, too. <laughs> okay, my last and, to me, the most interesting question I have is just how is this trio of teams in the West going to pan out? It's the 6-7-8 right now. New Orleans, Dallas, Sacramento, all within a game and a half of each other. My just question is, how are those three going to close the year? Who will finish? And it's important because one of them is not going to have to play in the play-in tournament, whoever finishes atop that little group, in theory. I mean, I guess the mm-hmm. Lakers can catch them so and get all the way to six. Maybe. We'll see. But in theory, one of those three is going to not have to be in the play-in, and the other two will. So that is a massive difference. They're all very interesting Dallas obviously has one of the five best players in the world. Luka's unreal. They're improved from last year significantly, even though if they're still not great. 
New Orleans, I've said this before, they're the highest ceiling, lowest floor team in the league. On any given night, they can beat anyone and look awesome. And on any given night, they can just be an absolute unmitigated disaster and just look like a complete mess. And Sacramento, they're not quite what they were, as good as they were last year. They're still very good. Sabonis and Fox are still awesome. Um, They still don't have enough defense. And the West has just gotten tougher. Um, So I'm just kind of interested to see who finishes the strongest out of that trio and who kind of falters. And you're going to have the Warriors and Lakers right beneath them trying to knock you out and get your spot in the actual playoffs. So just how that trio finishes, who winds up being the best out of that team when we actually see Zion in the playoffs for the first time, that's the most interesting question to me is what that trio, how those three teams are going to look down the stretch here. Right. So Pelican, Mavs, Kings. What's the schedule? Um, yeah, I was about to say, going right. Let's go to our strength of schedule guy here. Kings come in at number eight, Pelicans at number eleven, and the Mavericks come in at number twenty. Twentieth, uh, as in they have an easy schedule. Yeah. Ooh. Kind of like the Mavs then, because they also have the. Best I. Teams. Now. Before looking at this, I was actually going to go with the Mavericks a little bit as well. I my least amount of faith, believe it or not, is the Beam team. I hate to say it, this year it's been the Beam team that I've lost a little bit of faith in. I mean, De'Aaron Fox, he had a like. I was watching the past game. Uh, who did they play this past week? This past night, it was it wasn't the Nuggets. It was the the Suns. I watched the Suns game. That was the that one was uh that was a rough watch if you were a Kings fan. Because you got, they came back, they made the game interesting, and they still just couldn't surmount the Suns. Um, they did beat the they beat, they beat Nuggets, which is you know something, but it's the All Star break. I mean, it's All Star break Nuggets. They probably weren't even paying attention. What? They're kind of reeling right now. Oh, but yeah. Anyways, <laughs> thank you. Um, yeah. So what I was thinking is, Kings least faith in. I like the Pelicans though. If I were to, if you were to ask me to finish stronger, it was between the Pelicans and Mavericks. You put up a good argument about how the Pelicans could play anybody anytime. Bob is going to throw in this also this fun little meme factor here, Colby. You have to remember. Yes, the Mavericks are probably going to be a little bit more of the injury prone side, but so are the Pelicans. I really do think Luca, for all that matters. He would love it, love it, if he could play a game again, if he can have a series either against the Suns or the Clippers, like we always see him. Oh, yeah. You'd know that would be a round one classic with Luka Doncic smiling with Booker and all that stuff. Western Conference, man, this has the potential to be like the greatest playoffs. Even like all the first round series could be good. Like they're all these teams are legitimately good. Like the Lakers are ninth and they are a good team. Like, all, all of these teams are legitimately good. The one I have the least faith in is the Pelicans, just because, you know, I can never fully trust oh, them. I really? just I just have no trust in them whatsoever after how the last couple of years. I mean, they're still there, Colby. They're still at number six. Every year we make fun of them, but they're still in, like, the play-in spot. Like, that's probably where they're going to fall. I agree if we're talking about – sorry. I agree if they talk about – if we're talking about them being at the sixth spot. Yeah. I agree. He, they, I probably have a lot less faith in them because I just said it. They're always in the play-in spot, dude. They always somehow fall into that play-in spot. But they do. They show up for that play-in game just like Trey Young and the Hawks. 
Um, sorry, I got a little distracted. The Grizzlies are still beating the Bucks Grizzlies. in the fourth quarter. Grizzlies try their ass off, man. They try so hard. They have to. They have to. <laughs> I mean, they have to. They, it's the Grizzlies. They have to. <laughs> It really lost. This was just such a lost year for them, but they did get some good young players out of it, so that that's good. But all right, that's so. My final answer: most trust, Mavericks least trust is sadly the king. I agree with you. Mavs have the most trust for me as well because they've also been three and zero since the trade deadline. Like we both talked, I really liked the moves they made, and I think it's it's working out for them so far. It's early, but well, Colby. Those were some burning questions. And sadly, they probably burned too much time over there on the East Coast, it sounds like. Uh, <laughs> but we uh, we finally made it to a great segment that has also lasted two seasons long as we enter the new season, season three here. I can't wait to come up with a title for this season. But it is time for some final thoughts. Colby, take it away, man. I don't know if I want to, if this was going to be yours or not. So I'm going to have to steal it, but we did mention it right before we started recording. Our girl, the queen, the goat, rather, Kaylin Clark, came the all time women's college basketball history tonight. She hit it with a pull up logo three, <laughs> just one of her classic runners. She's the most electric women's player I've ever seen. She's unbelievable. They ended up winning the game tonight, 106 to 89. She finished with 49 points, 13 assists, and five rebounds. I mean, that's going oh. there. You, you can't stop her. She's just a <laughs> monster. She averages like, pretty sure she averages like 13, nine, and, or 32, nine, and seven, like, which in college basketball to average that is ridiculous. And the 49, 13, and five is just a crazy stat line on a record setting night. She only needed eight to get the record. So she uh, broke the record and then she. Uh, added 41 more points onto it by the end of the game to uh, tally some more. So just shout out to Caitlin Clark. What a legend. Great shout out. That was an, ele- an epic moment in just sports history in general. I mean, she's been great since she's came onto the court, obviously. Um, last year, she really made the NCAA tournament really fun to watch. I mean, remember how we came back on here saying that because of her, because of her, Angel Reese and LSU, like how much of a good game, how much the NCAA tournament was hype. So she really, uh, she really pulled through and she pulled through in the moment there. That's a great final thought. Um, even though we did mention it a little bit in the beginning, but still that's just, that's history right there, man. That is history. Absolutely. So my final thought, Colby, it's the same reason why I said, and I mentioned it earlier, this podcast is only a basketball podcast for one week. Because next week, spring training starts. Oh, my God. Shut up. <laughs> it's baseball time. I don't know if you guys been looking. People are already checking in. The Twitter feeds are popping off. They're showing little signs. This is getting fun. And guess what the first game is, Colby? Dodgers and Padres. You already, did you see Otani's scar? Did you see Otani's scar? I didn't. He like takes up like his entire. It's the entire elbow, bro. It's, the entire, it's insane. So he's only going to be hitting this season, dude. And Colby, 
I, that's how you know. That's just how you know that even though it took us three seasons, that's how you know. It's probably going to be some good stuff, huh? Thank you for listening to the CJJC Show. Whenever you want more biased takes, go on over to our social media pages, Spotify, or wherever you can probably find a podcast, if we have it up. And if we do, thank you for following us on social media. And besides that, have a good one, y'all.